Hit the edge with your Premier League betting predictions. Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You can buy betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to your favorite Premier League betting podcast. This is EPL Insights with data supported by InfoGoal, courtesy of Pinnacle. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathor, back with you for yet another week. Technically, it's game week 11 in the Premier League, but really, this is going to be the 10th round of fixtures for most, the ninth round of fixtures for some, and we might as well dig right into it. How is your week, Jake, here in Canada, where I'm broadcasting from? We just celebrated Canadian Thanksgiving. So we're all full of turkey, and we're ready to take it into the next week. And I want to bring up a turkey because I'm sure that's where you're going to go first when we're looking back to next week. A gobble gobble. I'm not sure it was the big turkey last week when it came to Arsenal, Liverpool. You and I had the head-to-head battle. You were on Arsenal. I was on Liverpool. And the Gunners come away with a 3-2 victory. Um, I was going to call Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp a turkey for taking off Mo Salah with about 20 minutes to go in that game. But perhaps the referee, the match official, a bigger turkey, giving away the softest of soft penalties laid on in that game to give to gift Arsenal the 3-2 victory. Who's the bigger turkey? Is it the match official or is it Klopp? Or is it for me for making the Liverpool bet in the first place? Um, probably a mixture of all three. <laughs> yeah, I, I did try to warn you um, around Liverpool. Um, I know what you were saying around the, the fact that they, they on, on get basically any given Sunday, they could turn up and beat anybody. But I was really confident in the way the numbers were presenting in terms of Arsenal um, and the defensive issues Liverpool have had. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it, it was a softish penalty, but I think it's it's a foul. He got to the ball first, and and if that was anywhere else on the pitch, it would have been given as a foul as well. Um, but yeah, I agree with you in terms of the, the the decisions Klopp made during the game. Almost, I was I was surprised that he went with the the four two four formation from the start. Um, obviously, it worked against Rangers, but that's Rangers, and I think we discussed that on the pod, didn't we? In the, in the sense that you know you can't really take that result or any performance against a team like Rangers um, uh, and think you can replicate it against a team like Arsenal. So that was a huge surprise. Uh, and ultimately, it led to them getting um, outmanned in midfield, which is ultimately led to the first goal. Um, and and then, yeah, in the second half, taking off your best players and your goal threats, really. You know, Nunes came off as well. Salah came off and it ended up being a midfield of Henderson on the right-hand side and Harvey Elliott on the left-hand side of a, of a four. It was really, really strange. And um, and yeah, they, they, they've got some problems at the moment, Liverpool. Uh, defensively, obviously, but the issue, issues are, from an injury standpoint are mounting with Luis Diaz, um, joining, I think, Joel Matip and Trent Alexander-Arnold now uh, on the sidelines. Yeah, uh, the XG in that game, I mean, Arsenal were, were full value for the victory, by the way. 2.66 to just 0.75 in terms of the XG, uh, courtesy of InfoGoal there. So are, uh, Liverpool's reaching. In your opinion, was it more Arsenal just continuing to be impressive? Or or is it more, or was it more Liverpool just really struggling? Seems like they're grasping at straws here. Trying to find anything that works. Yeah, yeah, a bit of both. Uh, Arsenal were excellent. They started so hot, didn't they? And that scoring in the first minute is always a, a nice way to start. Liverpool's issues so far this season 
not only are they just broadly defensive issues, that they also really slow starters. Um, the average time of the goal they concede in the Premier League this season has been 20 minutes. So they've been conceding on average within the first 20 oh. minutes of every Premier League game, which is just not a way to start. And, you know, for a team that's low on confidence, for a team that is already beaten down defensively, to concede so early means that they have to go more on the front foot, which again leaves them more exposed at the back. So it just throws the game plan out the window. Um, and yeah, that, that early goal for Arsenal really was a dagger for Liverpool because I think if they'd have got through the first 10-15 minutes unscathed because Arsenal came out of the blocks quick didn't they then we saw Liverpool start to get in the game the, the final half an hour of the first half Liverpool really did dominate the game and look like the only team that was going to really threaten and, and obviously you know we, we've had a bit of analysis over here on, on Monday Night Football Jamie Carragher looking at it and, and just wondering why on earth with you know 30 seconds left in the half a free kick you're sending your two centre-halves up and leaving yeah. yourselves three on three at the back so yeah, some some real lapses in concentration in judgment, but it's not, it's something we're used to seeing now from Liverpool. You know, um, I, it does remind me of. Do you remember the COVID season um, where Liverpool went on that really bad run, particularly at home? They reminded me of that a little bit. They're looking a little bit like they've lost their identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know what style they want to play. Um, and you know, fortunately for Liverpool fans, if that is the case, if it is almost a replication of that they actually found a groove and found a rhythm at the back end of the season. So not all is not lost. Um, you know, you trust in Jurgen Klopp, the players, he's got the quality, but it, it might be three, four, five games. So it might even be until after the World Cup that we start to see Liverpool turn a corner. Um, so, yeah, massive issues for Liverpool. But Arsenal, they look really good. They, they do. You know, they've they've got a really nice mix of youth and experience in that team. And uh, I think that's one of the things when he, when he looks at the two teams, particularly in midfield and forward areas like Liverpool obviously have quality but Arsenal just have so much youth and explosion and just so much pace and um, and vibrant young players whereas Liverpool particularly in midfield look really stale uh, really slow really sluggish um, and yeah I, I thought they looked like that in forward areas as well apart from Nunes and Diaz I think Salah's not really looked right this season I think he looks overworked he looks tired um, I think he'll be ready for a nice break during the World Cup to be honest Liverpool have played a lot of football over the last two seasons. I think these issues are much more complex. Uh, Van Dijk doesn't look anywhere near the top defender that he is or was. No Sadio Mane. And now injuries have started to creep into the team. An upcoming Manchester City on <laughs> Sunday. I can't wait to get into a that. nice, game. easy game for them, right? So, so I'll bow down to you. Here you go. Um, it's take the on the lead. Um, how else did you fare? Uh, in game week 10? Um, bit of a mixed bag. Uh, Newcastle were the other big bet that I had. Um, they obviously sailed in. I think we were really, we are really impressed with Newcastle and we'll continue to, to try and get them on side, I think. Um, you did get one over on me with the, the Leicester goals bet. Um, my numbers didn't really stand up there. Uh, just Leicester just like Every throwing week. goals in, don't they? Every week, Jake. You're going to yeah. come on to this train yeah. eventually. Maybe as soon as this week. Maybe. I mean, I can. I don't want to spoil the, the episode, but I will be going on to the Leicester <laughs> over two and a half train this week. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well done. Yeah, I went four for three overall. Uh, Leicester over, Liverpool over. I, you know, it wasn't as if the Liverpool Arsenal was off or not. Uh, West Ham, I was confident that they were going to beat a decimated Fulham side. And I kind of feel like I can puff out my chest a little bit for backing a Manchester United win at Everton. They're just a superior side, better players than Everton. Grinded it out in the end. Probably should have been a little bit more than a 2-1 victory. But the Wolves under let me down and 
Obviously, the Liverpool win. And also, Brighton Spurs played to a 1-0 game. I thought this match had the overwritten all over it, but there was really not much in that match. Yeah, it was a bit of a disappointing game, wasn't it, on Saturday? Yeah, I, was. I was expecting a, a, some fireworks. I thought Brighton would do a bit more in terms of uh, creating chances. But Spurs managed the game really well. And I think that's probably something that's been missing over the last couple of weeks for Spurs, particularly away from home, is, is managing the game and just, yeah, just playing to their strengths, which when they play in, in well, when they set up in that formation is just basically blocking the passing lanes in uh, through the midfield. And, and that's ultimately what Brighton like to do. Um given the, the formation that they play in. So, yeah, um, good good result for Spurs. A little bit disappointing as a football match. And I think I was on Brighton plus Norton Asian handicap, so I had losing that one as well. So you're not on your own there. We teased our listeners about who would have been brave enough to play Southampton plus two and a half on the handicap. Uh, thankfully, I resisted the temptation. City <laughs> ran them 4-0. Uh, I did listen to you on the Newcastle, and I did make a play. Uh, offline on Newcastle and Crystal Palace gave me a nice victory and ended up making a late play, a late winner, uh, a 2-1 win, I should say, against Leeds United. Uh, So now when the title picture, I mean, it's funny, the top four of the title picture, it seems like a two-horse race between City and Arsenal. City are now minus 500 on the money line to go in and win the title. That's an 83.3 implied probability. Arsenal though, however, preseason plus three, uh, 3,307 on August 10th, there were plus 1,000. Now they're still plus 600. Is it becoming more tempting by the week? And that number's still holding strong, providing, you know, at, at least dangling that carrot a little bit. Uh, yeah, it is dangling a carrot, but I have to say, I, I, the, you know, if 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 we've not got Manchester City looking like Manchester City right now, then I would be all over that. But the way in which Pep's side have started the season, I still can't look past them. I, I think uh, this Arsenal team, there's so many positives going forward. One of them is, you know, the the way in which they play. They, they've won the XG battle in all nine matches, so they've actually consistently hit really high levels. But the big negative for me is that it's a very thin squad particularly in those forward areas. You know, if you think Saka or Martinelli gets injured, there's a big drop-off there um, to players that are going to come and replace them. You think if Odegaard gets injured or Thomas Partey, there's a huge drop-off there. Uh, whereas for Manchester City, it, it won't really matter. You know, if, if Rodri gets injured, then, you know, you've got Calvin Phillips who can maybe step in if he's fit or Gundogan. We saw him play there in the Manchester derby. Um, if De Bruyne gets injured, you probably just drop Foden into midfield and you put Mahrez out on the wing. So I think the strength in depth that City have um, really stands them in good stead. Plus the fact that they've been there, they've done that already. Um, and I just think that they're a better team right now um, in terms of the process. I think they're more trustworthy on a, on a week-to-week basis. I think Arsenal, I'm coming around to being able to trust them more weekly. But I'm still not there yet in terms of if they have a tricky, potentially tricky away game at like a Brighton or a you know um, another fellow top six team or tops or maybe a West Ham or someone like that. Um, I'll still be quite hesitant to to really jump on them and, and basically say, yeah, that's an Arsenal win. We don't even need to pay much attention to it as we do with Manchester City. I mean, <laughs> every week we we come on here to talk about Manchester City, and the question is, do you trust them to cover a two and a half, three goal handicap? <laughs> um, you know, and that kind of that kind of tells you the difference and the gulf between the two teams still. Liverpool, by the way, back on August sixteenth on Pinnacle uh, to win the to win the title plus three ninety. Now at plus three thousand, I think that's done and dusted. The fourteen points back of Arsenal at present time. Top four though is rather intriguing. Oh, Liverpool's yeah. still holding strong, minus two fifty. Um, Arsenal minus 300 Spurs minus 160 and then you have some plus numbers even odds for Chelsea to finish top four United Manchester United still plus 180 and 
They play Newcastle this weekend. Newcastle can leapfrog over Manchester United with a victory. You can get them at plus 800. And they're a team that's on bang good form right now. What do you make of the top four odds? I heard Jamie O'Hara on TalkSport say that Liverpool are out of the running for a top four finish, which I found <laughs> absolutely sensational. But he, but based on form and some of the issues in the team, maybe he's not that far off considering how many other good sides, legitimate contenders for top four spots are actually are this season. Yeah, um, it's, it's early days still, isn't it, to be going so hard on, on your thought process and basically just saying they're out of it. I mean, there's another 29 games left of the season, so they're not out of it. Um, and they could do business in January and, you know, strengthen in certain areas that might all of a sudden see them turn a corner and pick up, you know, two and a half points per game as they have for the last three or four seasons. So um, I would never say that. I do think they are short, though. I have to admit, I think that that minus 250 at the moment for a top four finish is short, just purely because of, as you said, the competition. I mean, Arsenal, they look really, really good. They look like they're going to win every week, pretty much. Um, they will obviously have a few slip-ups here and there. Spurs, I, I you, you know my opinion on Spurs from the very start of the season. I've been very high on them. I think that they'll they'll pick up enough wins uh, and points to, to finish in the top four. And then you've got Chelsea and Man United. And out of the two, I, I'm really impressed with what Chelsea are doing under Graham Potter. I think the, the the short turnaround that he's had to get them playing in such a different manner and to get them looking like a different team is really impressive. And it's the been reason- brandished by many, Jake. Sorry to cut you off. It's been brandished yeah. as an easy start for Chelsea uh, under Graham Potter. You know, a, a Crystal Palace team that didn't perform. Wolves, they were absolutely abysmal. An AC Milan team that didn't show up. Then an early sending off in, in the return leg. And and they basically cruise to a two 0 victory. So it just depends the way that you look at it. You're looking at the numbers. Is it suggesting something different? Well, the the numbers are suggesting that from a defensive standpoint, they look really really good. It looks as though they're not conceding chances, or they're obviously not conceding many goals. Um, and yeah, the the chance creation is is on an upward trajectory as well. We saw they struggled against Crystal Palace, but against Wolves, a team that I thought would be a little bit more difficult to break down, just purely because of the setup, they really had no issues whatsoever. You're right to point out the sending off in the second game against AC Milan, but they're the Italian champions. Like, I don't, you know, they, to, to win those two games so comfortably with rotated teams, I might add, because, you know, Potter didn't play, he's not played back the same starting 11 in any of his matches. He's rotated and mixed and matched and everything like that. I, I'm impressed. Um, and I think that that rotational key would give, would for me, give them an advantage over Manchester United, just purely because Chelsea have effectively got a squad of 25 players to choose from and that there's not really a massive drop-off. I think maybe you'd look at the fullbacks as the main areas where you'd see a, a big issue in terms of quality drop. Whereas for Manchester United, you know, it, they, they've basically got a really good start in 11. And then after that, it's not great. You know, if you think Anthony gets injured or Rashford gets injured, um, if Ericsson gets injured or Fernandez gets injured, who's who's going to step in there and, and provide those kind of services and, uh, and creative quality? So I, I'd give Chelsea the nod. I think Liverpool are in a bit of trouble um, for the top four as it stands yeah. with the injury issues. Um, but it's Jurgen Klopp we're talking about. And I think he'll get it right. It's just a case of when, not if. Um, and the longer they keep playing like this, the longer that we see them struggling um, then obviously the the bigger chance that they're going to miss out on the top four because the other teams will just keep picking up points. I'll remind our viewers and listeners, Newcastle plus 800. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't mention that. Get on it. <laughs> get on it right about now. Yeah. Let's kick think, on to uh, this week. Sorry, go I ahead. Think top, top four is a little bit of a push for Newcastle. Um, top six, 
I think that they, they could potentially be in the mix, cause an upset, and they definitely look like they're going to finish seven for the very least eighth. Um, you know, again, same issue with every other team I've mentioned in terms of the the injury potential and the and the drop off. Um, yeah, they they're looking good though. That we, we we did rave about them last week. We talked a lot about uh, Bruno Gimares and um, and Eddie Howe. So yeah, I, I do think to top four is a push. Top six maybe get interested. Uh, you can find all of those odds on Pinnacle.com. Let's kick on to this week's games. Um, all my plays, bar one, are bets that I'm making on plus numbers here. So we're going Ooh. big this week. We are going big this week. There's a bunch of plays in the biggest games this weekend that I like as well. And we'll get Jake's thoughts and his plays as well. Let's I'm start intrigued. things off with Spurs and Everton. It's one of the it's one of the feature games that we're doing. The only feature game that we're that, that we're looking at in great detail that's being played on Saturday this week. It's Sunday fun day for everyone. Upcoming <laughs> Spurs they won at Brighton. One 0 was the final. Harry Kane has scored in three consecutive games. Although Spurs in that match only had forty one percent possession and only an xG of 0.63. Their expected league position for Spurs based on info goal stats is only seventh place, despite them sitting right now third in the table, but they have won every home match they played in the Premier League this season. The teams they played, however, eh, Southampton, Wolves, Fulham, Leicester, uh, not exactly the most powerful four teams to play. Everton have been plucky. They lost 2-1 to United. Great goal by Awobi to open the score in that game. They sit 12th in the table. Anthony Gordon is suspended for this game, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin did come back and made his return in the game against United last weekend. Only Fulham and Nottingham Forest have a higher expected goals against than Everton on this season. They played to less than two and a half goals in six of their last eight games, but being first to score, interestingly enough, in five of seven. They're undefeated in their last three away games as well. Head-to-head, Spurs haven't lost in three to Everton, and Spurs have been first to score in six of eight. It was a resounding 5-0 victory for Spurs in this fixture last season as well. Minus 203 for a Spurs win. The handicap is set at, at, at a full goal and it's minus 121 on Spurs uh, to go out and cover that spread. The goal total set at 2.75 plus 102 for the over minus 112 for the under. This one's a difficult game for me. I don't have a play in this game here. I find that Everton largely a competitive side. I don't think they have enough to beat Spurs, but where are you looking at in terms of any betting value there is to be had in this game? Uh, I'll be taking Spurs with a handicap. Um, I just think that they're Super impressive at home. Uh, the process is fantastic this season. Um, it's been great. Last, if if you go over Conte's entire reign, it's been um, fourth best, only behind City, Liverpool, and, and Arsenal. Um, they create loads of good chances at, uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They concede very few. And Everton, I know you said that they were beating three away games, but over their away matches this season, they've actually conceded over two expected goals against per game, which is a lofty amount. Um, yeah. and, and that's a massive cause for concern for me as they head to Tottenham, who generally they rack up over two expected goals on a on a pretty much gamely basis when they play at home. So more than happy to get Spurs on side with that handicap. Obviously taking the flat minus one means that we need Spurs to win by two clear goals to get a winner. But if they only win one, one 2 one three two, then we get our money back. So I think it's a very safe bet because I think Spurs are going to win the game and I'm more than happy to chance a, a higher scoring win. 
Yeah, I, I'm just still not convinced by Spurs. I, 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 I'm just not. Every time I see them play, I, I, I feel like they, they do what needs to be done and nothing more. That, that's kind of how I, how I feel about them. They be it's funny because Antonio partic- Conte has that tattoo on his arm. <laughs> do what needs to be done, nothing more. He's very much <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah, I, I, find in the, I find in the Champions League, their performances have just been drab. And, and I feel like this could be a game where they come on and play against Everton, but I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll give Everton credit. They, they, they play within themselves. I think they made some progress under Frank Lampard, understand the underlying numbers, but the results is just a lot of games. It's a goal here. A goal there is all that separates the team. So that's why I was looking at it. I, I obviously have a massive lead to Spurs in this game, but I, I, I'm just not sure I can get myself to the number of, 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 of having a handicap of a full goal in this game. Yeah, no, I'm happy to take it. I think usually uh, there's generally the top six teams, particularly you want to side with them at home. When it comes to Arsenal and Spurs, I generally only side with them when they are at home because I don't really trust them away from home. And that's been proven the case with Tottenham this season. Um, but yeah, usually at home, Conte's team are extremely trustworthy. Um, they've got a really good pattern, good process, create a lot of good chances. And, and I can see them scoring three or four against his Everton backline and, and winning quite handily. So um, yeah, I, I think I thought the price was fair as well for minus one. It's very backable. Kulisevsky looks to be returning as well. I really don't have much more to say about this game, to be honest with you. No, no. I just think that the attacking quality the Spurs have um, is good enough to beat anyone on the day. And and Everton, as I've said, defensively look vulnerable. So I think it'd be a very difficult afternoon for them. All right. Let's move to the Sunday fixtures. It's going to be a great day of football, by the way. From Old Trafford, it's fifth place Manchester United taking on sixth place Newcastle. Although United has 15 points in eight games, Newcastle has 14 points in nine games played. United did beat Everton 2-1 at Goodison Park. Anthony scored in three straight Premier League games. His first three, the first United player to ever do that. That's incredible. And Cristiano Ronaldo joins the 700, unbelievable, 700 goals scored playing club football. Um, United on the season still have an expected goal difference of negative 0.6. So although they've won five of their last six games in the Premier League, still that expected goal differential doesn't look that great, especially when you can compare it to Newcastle who have a plus six and a half expected goal differential on the season thus far. Uh, United plays Ammonia in the Europa League on Thursday. Uh, Scott McTominay suspended for this one. Anthony Martial, a significant doubt. Harry Maguire remains out injured as well. No clean sheets in their last three for Manchester United. And they've been the first to concede in four of their last five games. As for Newcastle, smashed Brentford. 5-1 was the final. Bruno Guimaraes uh, did score a brace in that game. If you look at their XG for Newcastle in their last four games, uh, 2.14. 3.62, This is a team that's bang on great form. Uh, Isak is still out. They haven't lost in their last four games. Like I said, no clean sheets in their last three. And both teams to score has come off in seven of their last eight games. Against Manchester United, United haven't lost to Newcastle in their last five, but they're without a clean sheet in their last six. However, Newcastle are without a clean sheet in their last five. They've gone over the two and a half goal total in four of their last five games and both teams to score in five of five. Get this. Three of Manchester United's 
wins in those those last five games have come off in a 4-1 scoreline. And if you want to find on Pinnacle, United to win this game 4-1, it comes off at plus 3,004 for this game. Why not? Take a punt <laughs> on that. United plus 101 for the victory, plus 292 for the draw, plus 270 for a Newcastle away win. The spread is set at half a goal, and the goal total set at 2.75, minus 110 for the over, minus 100 for the under. Do United make Make it six out of seven. This is a difficult match against an informed side. However, they are playing at Old Trafford. Uh, what do you make of this one, Jake? Oh yeah, this 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 is a difficult one to assess from the one x two market. I've I've just gone with the overs. I think this is going to be a really high scoring game. Um, yeah, as you said, goals have they've absolutely been flying in Man United matches recently, and and that's just purely because they obviously have unbelievable quality in forward areas, but defensively, they continue to look vulnerable. They've actually allowed 1.6 expected goals against per game this season in the Premier League. And then you've got a Newcastle team who, they've not only have they found their creative boots, but they found the finishing boots, uh, which is something that they struggled with at the start of the season. I think they racked up over four expected goals in a game against Crystal Palace that finished 0-0. So nice to see five flying. Um, and they've actually looked like a, a proper top six contender in the way that which they performed. Um, the process has been really solid away from home, which is usually where you see these kind of middle of the pack teams produce a negative expected goal differential. It's actually been really positive away from home. Um, they've actually got a positive expected goals process, 1.6 expected goals for 1.3 again. So they're out creating their opponents whenever they travel. Um, and that includes, um, you know, a match away at Anfield in which they were heavily beaten on XG. So they've thrown up some decent performances on the road. And honestly, I think that this could be 3-2, 4-3 kind of territory in terms of the way in which these two teams will play and will will operate. Because I think Newcastle will go to Old Trafford with no fear. You know, they'll they'll go there to, to expose Man United's weaknesses with their uh, flair attacking players. Because I think St. Maximan's back fit now. He was brought on as a sub uh, against Brentford. Obviously, Almiron's been playing really well, scoring goals. Guimarães has been a handful. Um, Callum Wilson, I think, is still fit, um, which is really, really handy for them, given that Isak's out injured. So, yeah, I, I really think that this could be um, a high-scoring game. I just thought the over 2.75 goals, uh, minus 110, uh, it just looks like a really obvious play for me. Um, if I was going to side with a team, I probably would say Man United are a bit big. You know, odds against at plus 101, that I probably would have them a touch odds on, um, even though Newcastle have been performing well. So, yeah, if I was going to pick a team to win, I probably would go with Man United, but I'm just happy to go with the goals. Completely with you. United, you know, this is one of the reasons why I actually like them to finish top four. They've already played some of the biggest and best teams in the Premier League, and they beat Liverpool and Arsenal. Both of them at Old Trafford this year, uh, this season. Newcastle is going to be a big test. I'm with you. I'm, I'm staying away from um, from picking a winner here. Uh, I'm definitely not going with the draw. Where I'm finding the most value, I, I like over the goal total, but I like both teams to score at over two and a half goals at plus 105. That's going to be my play. Um, I, I just think that I, I'm with you. There's going to be goals in this game. I'd be shocked if there wasn't. I think that players like St. Maximum, always give United so much problems. Like those players that are a little bit more direct, play with pace, you know, put some, put, put the, the, the back line under a little, little bit of duress. United have all kinds of problems with those types of players. So, and when the game's in front of them, it's fine. But those players that can get in behind, just it shouldn't make United feel comfortable this weekend. So the total it is for both of us. Yeah, really happy with that. I think the price is 
absolutely very generous as well. You know, I was expecting it to be a lot shorter, given the way in which these two teams have operated and played so far this season. So really happy with that. It might be a best bet. All right. Well done. I was getting choked up there about this. Uh, It should be a great game this weekend, uh, especially if it does bring the goals. Uh, Also on Sunday from Ellen Road, Leeds United, 14th place in the table. They welcome the league leaders in Arsenal. Leeds coming up a 2-1 loss at Crystal Palace. They did score first in that game. Winless now in their last five after such a positive start to the season. Arsenal, the 3-2 victory over Liverpool on the weekend. Saka with the brace. Again, we're going to say it every week, Jake. They've had a better XG than their opponent in every game this season. Zinchenko remains out. They do play Bodo Glimp, their favorite Norwegian side in the Europa League on Thursday. They played them last week, and by the way, like very heavy rotation within their team. So it shouldn't really play a role or a factor into what Arsenal looks like or how they feature on the weekend. They've got over the two and a half goal total in seven of seven, both teams to score for Arsenal in five of their last seven games. And they've been the first team to score notably in each and every one of their last five games. Head to head, Arsenal have won four in a row, haven't lost to Leeds in their last 11 games. And Leeds haven't had a clean sheet in their last four. Also with that first to score theme, Arsenal have been first to score in five of six games played against Leeds, and they won 4-1 in this fixture last season. Plus 496 for a home win, minus 172 for an Arsenal away win. The handicraft cap is also set at a full goal. If you like Arsenal um, to do better than that, it comes in at minus 104. Uh, the goal total set at three, plus 105 for the over, just minus 116 for the under. D- does Arsenal keep rolling here? Or, or Leeds United do for results in, in, in a fixture like this, which is really going to be a test for a, a really struggling side right now. I think I think Arsenal win. I'm not confident enough to back them. I think they're a really short price, aren't they, this week? Um, unless you're going to combine them with a, a win and an under total or something like that, I wouldn't be interested. But um, yeah, it's an interesting game to assess just purely because of the way in which these two teams seem to be trending with Leeds on a downward trajectory after a really hot start, a really impressive start from the numbers standpoint, and Arsenal just looking pretty relentless. So um, yeah, I ended up settling on under three goals um, as my best bet in this one. Minus 117 might be a bit of a surprise to people, given obviously Leeds are generically known as a, as a fairly high scoring team and that hasn't really changed too much under Jesse Marsh. But they are bang out of form. They've lost the XG battle in four of five. They've created few good chances at home. They're averaging just 1.2 expected goals for per game at home, which is considerably down on uh, on the numbers we saw from Marcelo Bielsa's team. That was around 1.6 expected goals for. Um, but defensively, they've been fairly good at home. Um, if we excuse the, the game against Aston Villa, where they played with 10 men for uh, quite a lot of the match, which ultimately meant they ships 2.6 expected goals. In the three matches prior to that, they only allow 1.1 expected goal, 0.7 and 1.26 expected goals. So they've not been giving up too many good chances. And obviously the 0.72 in there was against Chelsea, a really strong team. So um, yeah, I, I don't think that the that Leeds will be wanting to make this high score. And I don't think it's like the Bielsa side where it's effectively a ding-dong battle, who can score more. Um, and then likewise, Arsenal, They've, as you said, won the XG battle in all nine matches. Been really good away from home. Um, the process hasn't been explosive. It's not been like a Man City where they've been creating loads of good chances. It's been very controlled, uh, very efficient, relying heavily on the defence. Just 0.9 expected goals against conceded uh, per game when playing away from home. 
but their attacking process is nowhere near the level as what we see at the Emirates, just 1.5 expected goals for compared to the 2.3 at the Emirates. So um, yeah, I, I think I think Arsenal will win this game in a very controlled, professional manner, which again would only enhance my opinion that they could be a real title threat because these are the kind of games that City just turn up to mm. and really, really stroll to victory. So yeah, out, out of all the betting options, I settle on under three goals, which obviously if there's two goals uh, or fewer, we get a winner. If it's exactly three goals, if it finishes 2-1, 3-0, we get our money back. Um, and if there's any, if it's four or more, we is the only way we, in which we lose. And I can't see it being that high scoring. My train of thought here, Arsenal, all season long, they've got off to really good starts to games. Really good starts. Five of five, first to score in their last five games. I rarely do this. And I make just the first half play. It's just not my style. It's just not my the, the way that I bet on football. But I, I look at it, Arsenal, first half win at plus 117. That's another plus number that's too good for me to turn down because, look, Arsenal's a better side in this game. I, I think that if they get an early goal, then perhaps they can go on and manage that game. I'm with you. Maybe, a, you know, a 1-0, 2-0 victory. Um, that That's kind of the way I look at this one. So I'm going to be a little bit risky here. Arsenal, first half win at plus 117. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think, um, as you said, they've got off to really hot starts. And generally, when they've been in front, they've kept themselves in front this season. Uh, it's very rare they've been pegged back. So, yeah, I, I can see that happening. I think Leeds have got some real issues in terms of personnel as well as as we um, as they welcome Arsenal. So, yeah, I, again, I think the only thing that he- that makes me hesitant is the fact that it, this is Arsenal. And, and I don't know if it's a... My brain's still not computing the fact that they are legitimately near a level of Manchester City um, or or what, but I'm, I'm still very hesitant to, to kind of back them in these potentially difficult looking fixtures. So just avoiding it at the price and just, just taking the, the goal line, I think for me is, is, is where I go. I'm, I'm still quite confident they'll win the game. Obviously, like I said, that they are the better of the two teams. They've got better players. Um, and, you know, the other advantage as well, which I think is something we'll touch on with Manchester City as well, is that... You know they they don't play on Wednesday like everyone else. Next week they play on Thursday. Arsenal in the Europa League. Man City actually don't have a game next midweek, which is just you know ridiculous. It gives them another big advantage, a big rest period. But Arsenal, they you know they 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 play Thursday, Thursday rather than Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. So um, yeah, that's another thing that, that potentially means that they can you know go all out in this match and and rotate again for the Europa League. The only other thing that's worth man- mentioning: uh, Gabriel Jesus did not train on Wednesday. They're saying that it's just rest. Sometimes these things can turn into something else and what's initially reported doesn't become true. So just keep your eyes out for that. Don't expect Jesus to play in Norway anyways. But uh, for the weekend, if he doesn't play, it would be a significant loss. He's been very, very good to start this season. Uh, Aston Villa, 16th in the table. They welcome Chelsea, who are now up to fourth place. Steven Gerrard under some pressure. I think that's fair to say. Has he been found out to be a charlatan as a manager or or is the team just slow to launch here? They, they drew Nottingham Forest 1-1. Ashley Young actually scored the goal. It was just a dreadful game. 0.66 XG to 0.3 in that game. It's Villa's third draw in their last four games. Although they haven't lost in their last four. It's just the style of play. Just they're not creating much whatsoever. Only seven goals from nine games scored for Villa. Uh, Wolves are the only team with the worst goal scoring record as of right now. And Coutinho, I mean, he's supposed to be the man with Villa. One goal in his last 20 Premier League games. 
What is going on there? Kamara is a massive loss through injury. They've gone less than two and a half goals in five of six. First conceded in five of seven. Their only home loss, however, came against West Ham, where they lost that game one nil. Chelsea, I just just asked Jake, a big fan of what Graham Potter is doing right now. A three nil win over Wolves, four wins in a row in all competition. Um, coming off the two nil victory over Milan midweek, Aubameyang, I mean, he's, he's looking good, isn't he? Three goals in his last four games. Fafana remains out. Conte's at a setback in his return from injury. And Reese James, at the time of recording, they're just not quite sure um, how serious that knee injury is. They'll be holding their collective breath on that one. Chelsea haven't conceded a goal in three, and they've been first to score their four of their last five games. Chelsea head-to-head with Villa, won their last three. Villa, no clean sheets in their last 11. And they've actually gone over the goal total of two and a half in six of their last eight games. Last year, um, Chelsea won both. 3-1 3-1 and 3-0 last season. Plus 383 for a home win, minus 123. That's got to be enticing for an away win with Chelsea. Uh, two and a half goals is the total. Minus 101 for the over, minus 109 for the under. What do you like here? Are you going to continue to roll with Graham Potter and Chelsea here, Jake? Absolutely, yeah. I think that the backable price um, is, is the seller for me, minus 123. I just think that as these weeks roll on, we'll not be seeing these kind of prices in these kind of games for Chelsea much longer. You know, we've seen what price Arsenal are going off at, at Leeds. Now, I'm not saying Chelsea are going to be, uh, you know, aren't as good as Arsenal, but they should certainly be a lot shorter than what they are in this match. Um, yeah, and, and the main reason for that is that I don't see Villa scoring. It's just a case of can Chelsea break Villa down? Um, you know, the, Villa, they are unbeaten in four. The performances have been shocking. The last three have been against real relegation candidates in Southampton, Leeds, and Nottingham Forest. Um, defensively, they've looked okay. But again, they've played three really poor teams, uh, pre-season relegation candidates. But going forward, they've just looked completely rudderless. They've really struggled to create good chances. Um, you know, they've, they've created less than one XG in four, five of the last six. The only time they went over was against 10-man uh, leads. And Chelsea looked really, really good at the back at the minute under Potter. Um, you know, they looked good on Tuchel, but they were conceding goals. They weren't conceding as many good chances as what people might think. But um, yeah, Chelsea's starting to keep clean sheets. They're really looking... Well, horrible to play against from a defensive standpoint, yeah. just purely because they are so dominant in keeping the ball. They're getting the players in the right position to stop the counters. Um, and as I said, that the rotation of the squad and the players um, is, well, it's working twofold. It's keeping them fresh and it's keeping the players engaged and wanting to play and, and prove a point because that's generally what happens when a new manager comes in is that you start to see players playing really well because they want to get in the team. Um and yeah, the, the you know the comfortable winning AC Milan only only really helps me come to this conclusion as well because it it was extremely comfortable. Foot off the gas after forty five minutes because the two 0 up against ten men, rotate the team, bring in a couple of players off, keep them fresh. Um, and yeah, it, like as I said, it, it just for me, it's just will Chelsea score, and if they score, then they win. Um, and I think that they've got enough quality, enough guile. I think Potter will set them up in in the right ways to create some good patterns to really hurt Villa. And yeah, that price, we're not going to see it for much longer. Uh, you're, you're right to praise the, the improved defensive play under Graham Potter, but the two things that he's done uh, thus far that have really caught the eye, which were essential for Chelsea to be successful. He's brought Mason Mount back to life, playing a, a little bit of a different role. And Aubameyang up top, you know, actually having a player that over the last few weeks has provided reliable goals to the team, that's valuable. Um, I, I told just you, add one more to that as well. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if it's gone under the radar. Um, it, it, well, it did to me until a couple of days ago. 
is the fact that Potter's actually brought in Kepper as his number one and he sat Mendy on the bench. I, I think that's a really interesting thing that's that's happened there. Um, you know, obviously Chelsea paid big money for Kepper, but Potter's just gone in there. He wants to play a certain style of football and he knows Mendy can't play that certain style of football, which is you need an extra option at the back, which is ultimately a goalkeeper. Um, I think that's something that's gone under the radar a little bit in the sense that, you know, he's kept clean sheets. No one's been talking about him. He's just doing his business. He's he's helping Chelsea build up from the back because he's much better around his feet. Uh, his distribution is really good. He can hit those long diagonals as well very accurately. Um, so yeah, th- those three things are, uh, I think as you you know, Aubameyang and Mount are really key, and, and then Kepper at the back just seems to be the final missing piece in terms of just getting them off and going. Perhaps Mendy becomes a cup goalkeeper, which would be smarter in case there does, you know, go to penalties. Yeah, avoid any <laughs> headaches there. So I, I told you I'm on the plus number train this week. Perhaps I can get you to upgrade that Chelsea minus 123 for the win play, supersize it to Chelsea win to nil at plus 219. That's my play for this game. Yeah, I like it. I like it. As I said, I I don't see Villa scoring. So Chelsea win to nil, a much bigger price definitely is, um, is, is worth looking at for sure. See, we're getting along this week. We're, we're we playing are, nice yeah. in the sandbox, you know. <laughs> so far, so far, we still have yeah. some, some games to go, including the, the feature match of the weekend. Let's get straight to it. From Anfield, 10th place. Yes, 10th place Liverpool. Welcome Man- Manchester City, who sits second place in the table. Uh in a pivotal match, let's be honest, for both of these sides. Liverpool coming off the 3-2 loss at Arsenal. They play Rangers in the Champions League Wednesday. The game hasn't been played as at the time of recording. The thing about that loss to Arsenal that sticks out, just 0.75 in terms of XG. For a Liverpool side that's just known for their attacking prowess, it's, it's just been sluggish. Mo Salah was subbed off in the 69th minute of a 2-2 game. Are you kidding me? Just two <laughs> Premier League goals this season, and now injuries. Diaz. His knee is going to be out six to eight weeks. Trent, he has an ankle. Matip has a calf. Adds to the list of Keita, um, uh, the Ox. Mello is, is out long-term as well. It's a little bit of a nightmare for Jurgen Klopp right now. They're, they're actually behind Bournemouth in the table, a team that they beat 9-0. That's the most incredible thing I can tell you today. They've conceded first. This is wild as well. Out of 10 of the last 12 games. They've conceded first, but they've gone over the total of two and a half and four to five, and both teams have scored in four of five. Um, They are undefeated in six games at home this season, and they've scored two or more goals in their last five games played at Anfield. Man City may be second place in the table, but according to InfoGoal, their expected league position is actually first. 4-0 against Southampton, ho-hum. Holland, another goal, ho-hum, 15-9. and nine. They did play to a goalless draw in Copenhagen. I'm not sure if you saw it, Jake. Like, Holland didn't play. Uh, Gomez was sent off. A goal was called back by Rodri, which should have stood. Mares missed a penalty. It was just one of those days. Foden, uh, he's trying to keep the pace with Erling Holland. Six goals and nine. They had the best expected goal differential, plus 15.3 in the Premier League. No losses in 14. No goals conceded in their last three. They've gone to go over two and a half goals in six and seven. First to score in four or five. And the first half winner in four of five as well. Head to head. Liverpool haven't lost in their last four games to Man City. And Liverpool 
although they haven't lost in the last four, haven't had a clean sheet against City in their last 10. City haven't had a clean sheet in their last six, and they've gone over two and a half goals in five of five, and both teams have scored in six of six. Liverpool already won the Community Shield. I don't don't know if... I mean, it means nothing to me, but a 3-1 win earlier this season. Spin it back to last season. A 3-2 win in the FA Cup. Uh, and in the league last season, they played to two, two, two draws, uh, both home and away. Plus 340 for a home win, plus 335 for the draw, minus 131 for a city victory. The goal total set at 3.25, minus 102 for the over, minus 108 for the under. All right, d- does the real Liverpool step up and stand up? and really use their superior home form to come away with something here or city just simply too good, Jake. The latter. Um, yeah. The, for me, there's no way you can get Liverpool on side uh, in this match at all. Uh, as I said, I've likened it to the, the Liverpool team of the COVID season where they had a really, really weird, was it 10, 12, maybe 15 games where they really struggled. As you remember, during that time, Manchester City went to Anfield and absolutely hammered Liverpool 4-1. I can see this being very similar. Um, I think that there's some massive issues. They're missing key players um, as well. They're not looking at it. As I said last week, ahead of the Arsenal game, I think the midfield area is the weakness for Liverpool at the minute. Um, I think you remember I actually said I'd take Arsenal's midfield over Liverpool's. Um, and you laughed at me. <laughs> I did. I'm but still I, laughing. Yeah, you know, it's, it, even even I was it was I was laughing as it was coming out of my mouth because it's they're not you know you're talking about Thiago, you're talking about Jordan Henderson uh, in the same breath as like Granite Jacker. Um, but, you know, yeah. if that if that is the case, if I'm taking Arsenal's midfield over Liverpool's, then Manchester City's midfield should have a but a midfield day, shouldn't they? Again, on Sunday, um, you know, they, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Rodri, whoever plays in there, they've got so much more energy. They've got so much more drive um, to to push the the team up the pitch. Um, that yeah, I just can't get away from a very comfortable Manchester City win. <laughs> the defensive issues speak for themselves, but on the flip side, you've got a Manchester City team that are just relentless in attack. They just don't look like they're slowing down. They keep creating chances and chance after chance. Um, and they've ultimately got one of the best strikers, one of the best finishers in world football, just tapping them in. Um, so, yeah, I, originally I got Man City to win as my bet at minus 125, but the price has moved a little bit to minus 131. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm going to upgrade it and go... My uh, Man City minus 0.75 on the handicap, which means that if City win by a goal, so if they win the game, then we get half win. If City win by two clear goals, we get a full win, and that that's around minus 104, a bit of a bigger price. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 all over City this weekend. I think they'll go do a job on Liverpool. And as I said, they don't have a midweek game, so this is all out for them. Um, they they've got nothing to rest and rotate for whereas Liverpool have got another game to look for forward to um, next midweek with all the mountain injury issues and, and the potential tiredness because let's be fair City at Copenhagen they'd already pretty much sewn the group up they could rest and rotate Haaland didn't even feature Foden came on a little bit at the end Liverpool they play on Wednesday it's, it's a trying time for Liverpool and I think we can take advantage by going for a, a big Man City win yeah City have been cruising it now they have arrested Erling Haaland had to this, you know, critical tie. A reminder that this was supposed to be a game that really could go on and decide who's going to win the Premier League title. Now, now you have a one side that's being threatened to drop below mid table 
and another side that's trying to keep the pace with Arsenal right now. It's wild how things play out. We're only, what, 10 games into the season. I, I read an interesting stat this week about um, the age of the Liverpool players combined with the total games that they've actually played in, in recent weeks. And those numbers kind of tell the story about some of Liverpool's struggles. And, and they've been real. And I just think it's been too much for a side that hasn't refreshed nearly enough. And why certain players have potentially had a dip in form. And I absolutely buy it as well. I actually have two plays for this game, Jake. Okay. Both teams to score plus a city victory at plus 203. Um, for what they lack defensively and in the midfield, they still do have difference makers in attack. And I still think that City are vulnerable at times at the back. And let's juice up that 3.25 for a goal, goal total to three and a half. So four goals in this game. I think it's absolutely realistic. You give me that at plus 120. Um I will take it. Look, they've gone more than over the two and a half goal total in five of five. Like I said, two, 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 three, two, three, one in the last four times that these teams have played. Uh, there will be goals. I just don't think that either one of these sides is built to be a team that sits back in this type of fixture, especially Liverpool at Anfield. They still, despite their struggles this season, still get out, play on the front foot, the atmosphere, yada, yada, yada. All these things matter in terms of the way that Liverpool play at Anfield. So I like goals in this game, but I still like City to win. So again, I'm going to stay with those plus numbers um, on this. Plus 203, City win both teams to score. Over three and a half at plus 120. I actually quite like both of those plays. Yeah, we can't disagree with any of them. Um, I think the goal total in particular looks very vulnerable, just purely because of what you're saying there. That you've got the really good attacking numbers from both teams, the defensive issues, but also the fact that this is this Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp we're talking about. They're not going to part the book. It's not a, you know, like a, an old fashioned kind of Mourinho masterclass incoming. He's not going to completely change tactic and just retreat. They don't know how to do that, Liverpool. They they will be, you know, they'll, they'll accept the weaknesses in defence and they'll probably try and make this a tit for tat, gung-ho, we can score more than you kind of game. Uh, a bit similar to what the Arsenal game was at the weekend, which we both thought was going to be the case as well. That we were both on the over three goals, weren't we, in that one? Um, yeah, I expect something very similar. Um, I think it'll be a, it'll, attacks will be on top. And even when both teams' defences have been at their best levels, we've seen this game go over three and a half goals quite often, as you listed, just purely because of the attacking quality. So, yeah, I'll absolutely be looking at the over three and a half goal, um, goal line there. If you still firmly believe that Liverpool has what it takes to finish top four yet. You don't think they're going to come away with the result this weekend. Wait until after this fixture to make that bet. Cause when they're in the bottom half of the table, I mean, I still believe that once a softer part of the schedule, uh, which is upcoming for Liverpool, by the way, they played a lot of the top teams already. Then they can go on a run of form and string off five, six, maybe potentially seven wins in a row. Like this is a team that's still capable of that, but hold on and wait to make that top four play till after this weekend, because I, I just can't see any way forward how Liverpool come away from this game with the full three points. I just don't see it, Jake. Yeah, I agree. Very little hope for me, unfortunately, around Liverpool. Um, only strengthened by the injury issues. I think Matip would be the first choice centre-half alongside Van Dijk. Obviously, Trent playing um, would be first choice as well. Maybe Joe Gomez in, ter in terms of make them a little bit more solid. But, you know, he's either way, whoever plays there doesn't really get much help to leave down that channel. Um, yeah, you, you'd have to imagine that whoever plays on the left, be it Grealish or Foden, is going to have an absolute field day against um, Joe Gomez. Uh, Salah's been slated as well for his, his lack of defensive work rate. 
as well. And that is, has been said, one of the reasons why Klopp did take him off in that Arsenal match as well. Difficult week for Liverpool, a difficult time. Uh, we'll see what they can bring to the table this weekend. That's five plays for me already. All of them on a plus number, Jake. I do have two more plays to go. Only one of them is a plus number. So we might as well hit it up. Rapid fire for the remaining five games of the weekend. 11th place Brentford is back at home to take on 7th place Brighton. A 5-1 loss at Newcastle for Brentford. Uh, They have to be due for a victory. Last time at home, though, they got smashed 3-0 by Arsenal. Brighton, coming off that 1-0 loss to Spurs. Not a very good game. Haven't come away with a clean sheet in their last four. Uh, Is there a number here? Is there a play here to be made in this game? Yeah, I'm I'm happy to chance the over two and a half goals. Um, plus one oh three, so another plus number for you there. Brentford, as you said, very, very high scoring recently. They've actually averaged they, their home games have averaged four goals per game this season, uh, which is no coincidence because their expected goal process is one point nine two expected goals for, one point five five against. So they are creating plenty of chances at home, but also conceding plenty. And it's the same for Brighton on the travels. Um their away matches have averaged three and a half goals per game this season. They've generated 1.9 expected goals for, allowed nearly 1.7. So these two teams, when they're playing respectively home and away, create loads of chances, concede loads of chances. And, and I just think the over two and a half looked a bit big at the price. I underlined it, but I didn't circle it. But I do have uh, a play in this game. And I should dedicate it to you, Jake Osgathorpe, because Brentford has been a quality side at home over the last season in a bit. Uh, give me the handicap. Basically, the draw no bet at plus 123. If, if, if Brentford come away and draw this game, get your money back. I think they can win this game. I think they're due. Call this the market correction game. Brighton maybe taking a little bit of a step back. Still finding their legs under a new manager. Uh, Brentford are a good home side. I think they've been underachieving here. Um, I think they can come away with the result. Not confident enough to play the, the full victory at plus 212, but give me the draw no bet at plus 123. Yeah, I'd, I'd never put anyone off back in Brentford at home against a, a fellow mid-table-ish team. So yeah, no problem there. Here we go. Leicester City, 20th place. How they lose to Bournemouth? They they score first and then give away two goals. Good news for me, though. I actually couldn't watch this game live, but it was my best bet of the week. And as soon as Bournemouth came away with two quick goals in the second half, it meant we hit over the total of two and a half. They play Crystal Palace this week, 15th place at the table after that 2-1 win over Leeds. Both teams have scored in four of their last five games that they played. Leicester City hasn't lost to Palace in their last six. But get this, Palace, no clean sheets in their last seven against Leicester City. Leicester City haven't come away with a clean sheet against Crystal Palace in their last four, and it's gone over. You can see where I'm going here. It's gone over the two and a half goal total for their last five times. And both teams have scored in four of their last five times as well. And guess what? The score lines in their two games that they played last year, 2-1 and 2-2. Doing some quick math, three goals, four goals. Oh yeah, over the two and a half goal total. This is my bet of the week. Over two and a half goals at minus one at 11, minus 111. Get in Leicester City and your over totals. Uh, They're keeping this shirt on my back week in, week out. Yeah, I'm, I'm have to double down with you on this one. Um, I was a bit sceptical last week because of Bournemouth's attacking process and they ended up scoring a couple of low probability goals. But Crystal Palace have shown that they've got, you know, good, real good attacking quality. They can create plenty of chances. They've had tough away games so far. Um, City, Liverpool and Newcastle concede a lot of good chances. But um, yeah, I, I think they've got the attacking power to cause a really vulnerable Leicester team 
a lot of problems. Um, over two and a half landed, as you said, eight of the last eight of the nine Premier League games so far this season. They got the games are averaging four point three goals this season. Um, so maybe if you wanted to be braver and take the over three and a half goals, would be um, a nice big price. But um, yeah, I'm happy to ride with you over two and a half minus one eleven. <laughs> uh, Leicester City over total winners. Uh, I'm on it each and every game, even though although some of their XG numbers and totals don't necessarily equate to goals. Like they just score wonderful goals that go against the grain and they can see goals that make you scratch your head as well. It's one of those that you need to watch them play to actually look at the numbers and kind of expand on it a little bit more because they are absolutely a nightmare defensively, but they can score goals with the best of them in the Premier League as well. So, and I'm with you, Palace, they have so much very good attacking talent in this team. They can somehow get that defensive shape worked out and, and some of their, their, their overall, their inability to control games, I think has let them down at times, but they certainly have players that can turn a game on their head. That's what it was yeah. last week against, against Leeds as well. Just some uh, very good attacking players scoring good goals. Yeah. I, I think that this, the, the over three and a half has got a really good chance of landing if Crystal Palace playing the same lineup as what they did last season, uh, last yeah. week, because that midfield three of Decore, Elise and Eze, it's not very defensive minded. <laughs> He's got no. two really, really good ball carriers uh, and really good creative players, and and Decore basically left by himself. So yeah, yeah. If, if that if that stays the same, then I can imagine Leicester causing Palace problems, and likewise uh, Palace really doing some damage to Leicester. When I saw the team sheet, like Eze, Elise, uh, Ayu, Zahai, and Edward, like that is a very attack minded side. This Crystal Palace team. So uh, let's keep that train. Um, going on the over the over the total. I don't have any more plays, but we have three more games to go uh, to, to take a quick look at. I'm not sure if you do, Jake. This one is fascinating. Wolves 18th place and Nottingham Forest 19th place. Wolves coming off the 3-0 loss to Chelsea. They've only scored three goals in nine games played, but they do have an expected goals of nine and a half. Only Bournemouth has a worse expected goals total. Um, Forest Coming off that 1-1 draw with Villa, they have hit one in their last six. No clean sheets in their last six. They have had four away games, and they've been outscored 13-1 in these games. Like, I like Wolves in this one just on by default, but at minus 140, this Wolves side, I just can't touch it. I can't get myself to making sense of any of the numbers that are being presented here. Yeah, they... The- Wolves are way too short to be back in here. You know, they're, they're still managerless. They're a couple of injury issues. They've never looked like scoring, have they, all season long, pretty much. And they said that they, they've only they've massively underscored based on expected goals. But in terms of like big chances created, they are second to last, if not last, in the league. I think mean, they've generated just five or six in nine matches, which is a big problem. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy to take the under two and a half goals, um, minus 118. It's a trend that's obviously yielded a lot of profit um, from a Wolves point of view. 77% of their Premier League games this season have gone under the total. Uh, the games are averaging just 1.67 goals um, on average and, and Nottingham Forest haven't been much better. Unders have landed in 56% of their matches. They're in a desperate situation. They're trying to steady the ship, which ultimately leads to, to defensive-minded football um, and trying to keep things a little bit tight as we saw on against Aston Villa on Monday. So happy to, to back under two and a half goals in what I think will be a very poor game to watch. Okay. Um, this next game, I call it the Bizarro World match, or perhaps if you're a Stranger Things fan, it's welcome to the upside down because it's ninth place Fulham taking on eighth place Bournemouth. The reason why is in terms of info goals expected 
where they should be expected wise in the league table. Fulham 19th. Bournemouth, their expected position is 20th. So both are top of the table. And based upon all of the numbers and the metrics, these should these two sides should be the worst two sides in the Premier League, but they're not right now. Expected goals against for Fulham, 20.8 is the worst in the Premier League. Bournemouth keeps on winning games. I mean, they did have their best XG of the season and their 2-1 win over Leicester City at 1.43, but it's Leicester after all. And they still only have a combined XG on the season of 5.7. Mitrovic may return, but based upon the unpredictability and the fact that they've gone against the grain and against the numbers this season thus far, this to me screams stay away. Yep. Um, I've got a really big capitalized no bet next to that game. Um, just leave it alone. There's <laughs> Good. too many weird variables, weird things happening with those two teams that I think will take another five, six games to sort of get your head around and get a really good gauge on what, what's going to happen. But ultimately, I think they'll both drop down the table, be in a relegation battle. Um, but yeah, at this moment in time, nothing stood out to me. Are, are you a Stranger Things fan? Oh, of course. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mitrovic could be the Demogorgon in that game. I will we'll oh, see. I'm could, just, yeah. I just, I'm just not going to touch it. So Does that uh, make full of a minus one. The mind player. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, perhaps if Mitrovic plays, perhaps full at minus one thirteen. If, 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 if not, uh, Stay away, my friends. Do yourself a favor. And the final match of the weekend on Sunday, Southampton, 17th place in the table, takes on West Ham up to 13th place. Back-to-back home wins for West Ham, 3-1 over Fulham last time out. Skamaka, it it does wonders when you actually play a striker, doesn't it? He scored goals in back-to-back games. However, they do play Anderlecht in the Europa Conference League, whatever, Conference League on Thursday, (laughs) uh, that league. Uh, So they have four straight losses. I mean, 4-0 to City, not much to learn there. But no clean sheets in their last seven and first concede in six of seven. Another game that I don't have a play for. Uh, Is is there something that could potentially tempt you? Uh, No, no, not in this one either. We've (laughs) saved the two games with no bets for last. (laughs) Yeah, nothing for me. Uh, Really difficult to call. You know, West Ham, they look like they're getting their act together. They're starting to create good chances and and they've made light work of relegation candidates in recent weeks. And I think we both agree Southampton are probably a relegation candidate. Um, which would have me leaning towards West Ham um, to win the game. But it's not a confident enough selection, particularly because they obviously play in midweek as well. So um, if I was to, if I was forced for a play, it would be West Ham to win at plus 147. But I've just got a big no bet next to this as well. All right. Uh, any other? Did you state your best bet of the weekend? My best bet of the weekend is going to be over 2.75 goals in Man United v Newcastle. All right. And mine's over the two and a half goal total in uh, Leicester City, Crystal Palace. I'm going to keep on doing that every week. You just got a copy and paste somewhere, haven't you? Over two and a half Leicester, insert other team. (laughs) And Brendan Rodgers, I trust on both ends of the park. Um, So those are our best bets of the weekend. Uh, Premier League predictions articles. You can find them uh, on Pinnacle.com. Also out this week, Pinnacle's podcast is the NBA breakdown. The NBA season is upon us. Can't wait for that. With the Athletics, Joe Varden and Seth Partnow. Plus NFL Insights can continues head of week number six. I've had a very productive start of the season, by the way, no one cares, but I've had a very productive start to the NFL season as well. And guess what? The Champions League betting blueprint back in a couple of weeks time as uh, we're four match days into this and the games are coming fast and furious as they try to, you know, ram in and jam in all these uh, Champions League games, at least the group stage games ahead of the World Cup, which is in uh, just what, six, seven About weeks? About a month time now. Well. Yes. It's, it's really pretty wild. 
Uh, so, and we'll be previewing, of course, everything to do with the FIFA World Cup as well. You can follow along on Pinnacle at Pinnacle at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube. Myself at Gareth Wheeler and at Jake Oz, two Zs on Twitter as well. Odds are correct at the time of recording. And a reminder, a no-brainer. Please gamble responsibly. Any other business? Are you out? Done with me for now. Yep, that's all. That's me done. Uh, I think we've covered everything there. So, yeah, let's go. Well, in the previous week, it was full of conflict and divisiveness between you and I. This week, agreement nearly across the board. I'm not sure if this means good or bad things. Probably better things for me this week, to be honest with you, which is probably a decent omen for yours truly. On behalf of Jake, I'm Wheels. This has been EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGold.